Thank you for listening to the podcast of John Thiel Maasbach. We hope it inspires you and pray this message will bless you. We are continuing our study in the life of Elijah and particularly the time span of where he went to Ahab to tell him there would be no rain. And then when he had to hide at the brook Cherit, and also after that, of course, that great momentous moment on Mount Carmel. But there's so much to say and so much to learn out of this time. And uh, I just uh, want to take a little time and not go too quick. And so today we want to go with Elijah to the brook Cherit. And, uh, well, I know there are a few different ways of pronouncing uh, that name. So please excuse me if I might uh, say Kirit or Krit because uh, sometimes that's something that is in my Dutch mind, but I know in English it says chariot. But let's go with Elijah to that brook chariot. And yeah, I think this message today will touch hearts because we are going not only to the brook chariot when it is flowing bountifully with water, and as it says, the ravens brought him meat. You know, my father always was joking to me. He said, John, that was like, Uh, the messengers bringing him McDonald's, you know, the burgers of McDonald's. And uh, it's sometimes funny to see these things and and, and have a little humor in it. But today I also want to go to some serious part in it because he was brought to that brook, but it was a brook that ran out of water. And I think that will be a very important point in this message that God sends us to places, to brooks like the brook Cherit, which sometimes runs out, and the supply runs out at that place. And what do we do? And I think I will speak to many of my listeners today, as you have been obedient to the Lord, you love the Lord, you are following the Lord, and he sent you to a certain place or to do a certain job, and you know that he is with you. You are where you are because you followed him and not because you were rebellious against him. But yet, When you look around now, it's like the brook is drying out. That place where God sent you and where he supplied in your need, it's running out. And you are seeing daily that that brook that was flowing so plentifully with water, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller until you are, well, worried. And you see you barely have enough and you really have to scrape it together until one day you wake up and you want to have a morning drink and you see it's not flowing at all anymore. And what to do next? What to do now? Well, this is an issue I want to tackle in this wonderful study of the life of Elijah, how he went through these things. Because remember, he was a man like you and me with thoughts, feelings. I don't know. He was obedient. We read that. He was very obedient to the Lord and whatever the Lord told him to do. But on the other hand, he also was a man that must have thought, oh, Lord, Look at that brook. It's running out. What am I going to do next? What if there's no more water here? Well, let's learn from him so we will not make mistakes as many have made mistakes. Let's first read that small part in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2, all the way up to verse 4. And it says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Go from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherit, which is east of the Jordan River. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens 
to sustain you there with food. I put an emphasis on the word there. He told Elijah to go there, to a very particular place. God had committed himself to make his promise true to Elijah at that particular place. God had committed himself to fulfill his promise to Elijah at that particular place. Oh, I know some people these days, they say, well, John, God is everywhere. God will take care of me everywhere, but God sends us somewhere, and he wants us to stay at that place, and he has committed himself to make his word, his promises, a reality in your life in that particular place where he sent you to be. Well, sometimes we leave that place because maybe we're disappointed, or maybe we are afraid, or maybe somebody has left and we want to leave with that particular person, but the fact that some person leaves doesn't mean we must leave with that person if God told us to stay at a particular place. So this is very important, even though God is everywhere, as we heard in the last session, and he can take care of us everywhere. Yet he has promised sometimes very specifically at that place, right over there, I will take care of you. So the question would arise, and maybe for some it's good to think of that, am I still in the place or at the place where God told me to be? Or did I leave? Did I go my own way? Was I in rebellion? Maybe with a beautiful scripture and some religious thought behind it, but yet when you get down to it, it was just plain rebellion. Or maybe it was disappointment. Or maybe it was anger. Or maybe it was fear. Or maybe friends. You followed friends or you followed the world. I don't know. There can be so many in our eyes as human positive, negative reasons but yet it's all negative when it gets down to it, when we leave the center of his will. And if you are no longer in the center of his will, it could mean that the brook runs out and who's going to take care of you then? Who's going to take care of you there? Because God has said, there is a place where I will take care of you. And from there, he will lead you on to the next place. But if you go on your own road, on your own journey, if you're your own shepherd, oh, you have to take care of these things yourself. And I tell you, the point will come when we are not able to sustain ourselves. So God told Elijah, go and hide. Another important point. When God says go and hide, don't try to be the hero. Don't say, I will tackle this king or I will tackle this giant when God says go and hide. When God says go and show yourself, don't be the coward and say, I cannot do it. I'm so weak. I cannot do it. But go in his strength. This is very important. Don't go when he says hide and don't hide when he says go. But we are studying this life of a man like us. And he was working, Elijah, through the source and the sources or the means that are available to us today. And of course, it's one source. It's God who gives us different means through which he supplies us. But it is also readily available to us. And it all has to do with faith. Elijah was a man of faith. And faith made him all that he became to be. And faith will do as much for you and me today as it did in the life of Elijah. But we must apply it. We must let it work in us. All strength is from God. Let us have faith in God and in his strength, which is inside us through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 
And it pleased God to put all that strength into Jesus. I think this is a wonderful thought, and I just want you to listen and to think over this thought that I'm going to share with you right now. It pleased God to put all his strength for us in the resurrected Savior, in Christ, as a great, undepletable reservoir of love, of strength, of righteousness. And this reservoir is ready for us to be placed in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. This is important, my friends. We are talking about Elijah, the source, the secret of his strength. And for us today, oh, it is in Jesus, all strength, everything that is perfect, all love, all righteousness, all forgiveness, all healing, all deliverance. God put it all in his son, Jesus. If you have Jesus, and if Jesus is alive in you, made alive in you, and you are made alive in him through the Holy Spirit, then that source of strength is inside of you. But it's not inside of you, you. It's not your strength, your righteousness, your power, eh, your qualities, etc., etc. It is the Christ in you. And Christ in you is like an undepletable. It's not like it is an undepletable reservoir of God's strength and power. So that source is in you, but it's not in you, you. It's in Christ who is in you and you who are now in Christ. And that is all through the Holy Spirit. Oh, and it's given unto him oh, to give unto us a measure of that strength. But he can only give us a measure of the strength of the reservoir that is in us according to our own surrender unto him and our faith in him. So even though in you and me there is a reservoir of undepletable strength and love and power through the Holy Spirit in Christ, hallelujah, but it can only reveal itself or work in a measure that we are surrendered unto him and that we have faith upon him. And so we need his help to surrender more unto him. That's why the people, or was it John the Baptist who cried out, I must become less and he must become more. We, with our own strength, our own qualities and righteousness and wisdom, etc., etc., are actually standing in the way of God's unlimited power and glory and strength to work through us and to reveal itself through us. And so we need to be brought to a brook, a place of solitude, the brook chariot. We need to be brought to that place. Well, I don't know. It can be a different place, but it is a place of solitude. And maybe that place is a time of, of your need, of a dark time in your life, of a time oh, of difficulty, of problems in your life. But you are forced to a place to hide and to wait upon the Lord and to be there in solitude with him. <laughs> I tell you, my friend, these are in one way the most difficult times in our life, and on the other hand, they are the most glorious times in our life. In one way, we don't ever want to go back to those days when we are so alone because it's not easy being alone like 
Just think of it, Elijah, all those years in solitude, sitting there by a brook with the ravens coming daily to bring him McDonald's, as I said, meat. Well, he's sitting there. Well, you would say, I love nature. Oh, hallelujah, wonderful to be there. No worries, no worries. But you're sitting there alone in that place in the wilderness, just at the brook, waiting upon the Lord, waiting upon the next assignment. Oh, and the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, and the months even turn into years. You are sitting there alone. I tell you, my friend, it's not easy. And in one way, you don't want to go back there. But on the other hand, you long to stay there. You don't want to leave that place anymore. Why? Because God is so intimate with you. I hope, my friend, that you have already experienced this and that you know what I'm talking about. And if not, oh, I pray that you might have this moment in your life because it will benefit you so greatly. And I tell you the truth, that there will never come a Mount Carmel moment that we all pray for and that we all long for. It will never happen. It will never come if we don't first go to the Brook Chariot. If we are not spending time with the Lord in solitude at the Brook Chariot, that Carmel moment can never come. That Brook Chariot leads to a Carmel moment. And Carmel moments, you know, when fire came out of heaven and the whole nation repented and there was a great revival of religion there and of serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That moment is always preceded by a brook chariot time. Time, I, I wanted to say moment, but I changed it into time because we want everything in a moment. And usually those victory moments, yeah, they are moments, they are victory. But I tell you that time at the brook chariot, it takes time. It takes time. And we all need a place where our faith will be pruned, where our faith will grow, where our faith will be nurtured and will grow up to become mature, that we may become strong enough that kingdoms will be subdued and that righteousness will have victory and that the armies of the enemies will be scattered and will run and flee for us. Oh, it takes time for us to come to that point of strength. And so that time is very important for us because at the brook chariot is where our own self and our, as we call it, I, I, our own righteousness, our own thoughts and feelings and whatever might fit in that I, the flesh, the flesh, that will be buried at the brook chariot. Oh, we all need a brook chariot, a place where our I, our own self and nature, the flesh, will be buried forever and where we will rise up in the strength and in the power of God. And so that brook chariot, oh, it's a time of loneliness. It's a time of solitude. But on the other hand, it is a time where God teaches us very important principles that will give us success in the future. And if you want to have a shortcut here and cut out the brook chariot out of your life and try to run from meeting Ahab, you know, facing him in Samaria as Elijah did, and then run over to Mount Carmel and call fire out of the heavens, I tell you, my friend, you will be a failure. Things will go wrong. It will not be the right timing. It will not go in the right way. It will not have the impact 
that God would want it to have. It will not change a nation. It will not leave something for future generations. So we need to go to the Brook Cherit. And at the Brook Cherit, as I said, our eye gets buried there, but we also learn very important lessons. Oh, Elijah, what did he learn at the Brook Cherit? He learned that God's servants need to take one step at a time. One step at a time. Oh, if you're the same like me, and I think we're all a little bit the same in these things, we want God to give us a whole playbook. We want to see the whole finish. And I don't know how you read your books, but many times I go to the last chapter and I want to see how it ends. And if it ends in a, in a happy way, well, then I'll read the whole story. I want to know how it finishes. And so many times we want to know, Lord, if I go and face King Ahab, what, what will be next? What will I do when Jezebel comes after me? Where will I hide? Uh, 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 what if he doesn't accept my word? What if he does accept my word? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? Or how do I need to handle myself? What will be the outcome of these things? And so many other questions we have, and we want an answer to these things. I think that's the reason why so many people are still at home waiting for God to send them, because they're still waiting for all the answers to all the questions they have that they want answered before they go. But God wants us to learn to take one step at a time. It just doesn't work any other way. God doesn't work any other way. And I have found out, praise God, he doesn't work another way. I'm glad he did not tell me, well, John, if you go there, this will happen, and then that will happen, and then so will happen, and so will. Oh, I tell you, I would probably have never gone if I would have had an answer to all my questions, but I am glad that God just told me, go and do this. Okay, I will tell you what to do next when you have done the first step. And Elijah had to learn the same principle here. He had to learn to take one step at a time. The Lord said to him in 1 Kings 17, verse 2 and 3, he said to him, go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherit, which is east of the Jordan River. And it says, Elijah, he went, he went. But when he went, it says after a certain time, in verse 7, it says, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Serpat, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so Elijah set out and went to Sarabat. It says here, the word came, go and show yourself. He went and showed himself. And it says, and then the word came, go and hide. And he went and hid himself. And it says, and then the word came, now go to Sarabat. And he went as the Lord told him to go. So it was step by step by step. And the Lord did not reveal any more, any less than was necessary for him to know in order to do what he needed to do. And it will happen the same with you and with me in our days. The Lord will not give you a whole playbook, a whole script. He will not reveal everything to you that he has in mind to do, but know one thing, that God is good and the plans he has for your life are good to bless you and to prosper you and to make all things to go well with you. So I don't want you to be afraid to follow the commandments of the Lord, but follow them 
step by step. Be obedient. When he says go, go. When he says stay here, stay there. And even if the brook starts to dry up, don't get nervous. Don't run away. Don't say, but Lord, now I'm here and what will I do? It's better for me. Remember David who said, it's better for me to run to the land of the Philistines and there I will be safe. But that came out of his own mind, out of his own heart. I understand it. It was fear, and he was in a very uh, precautious situation. But that thought did not originate from the Lord, and it brought him into deep, deep problems. And so let us wait, even when the brook starts to dry up, and even when it has dried up, wait until the Lord gives the next segment of the commandment and says, now go to Serpot. I've commanded a widow to take care of you. And Elijah got up and he went. And that was even a long journey, a long journey. So let us pray right now. And in the next session, let's go to some more lessons that God taught Elijah at the Brook Cherith. Lord, I want to pray for those people, for those that are waiting at the place where you told them to be. Maybe it's the job, but oh, It's already been mentioned that that job, that brook, is coming to an end. It doesn't look like that contract will be renewed, and they will have to leave somehow. I I ask you, Lord, help them to be patient and to wait upon you, and you will open the next door for them. Maybe it's in their health that they are not healthy, and they see that that brook of health is drying up, and sickness is coming in more and more, taking control, Lord. Let them be patient and wait for you, the healer, to touch them and touch them right now, I pray. Maybe it's in their finances or maybe it's in their marriage life or with their children or grandchildren that the brook is drying out. Oh, there are problems that are mounting up and the place where you told them to be, maybe it's in their church life or maybe it's in the life with certain family or friends or or brothers or sisters in the Lord. Lord, that they see that that friendship is running out. The brook is drying up and they are afraid. Who will be my friend? Who will take care of me? Who will help me? How will my marriage go? How will my finances go? But Lord, let them be patient and you will speak to them. If you spoke to them to bring them here, then you will speak to them and bring them to the next means. They are only means, Lord, but you are the source and you have many means that you can use to supply our life in whatever we need. So, Lord, you will open up a new source. You will command the widow to take care of them. You will command some job or some boss or something to open up for them, Lord, because you take care of your children. I ask you to give peace in their hearts, to renew the joy in their mind and in their heart, Lord, and to help them to wait upon you. And that you will confirm right now in this prayer that you are with them, that you will not leave them or forsake them. You will take care of them. You will open a new door for them, and you will make all things wonderfully well. I thank you that you will do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you wish to listen to more messages? Go to themessagestation.com. Also visit us at maasbach.com. 